Welcome to the Unending Process, a continuation of the Permanent Evolution and Sympathetic People podcasts. The process hasn't ended, it was just on hiatus. Today, I'm speaking to my Russian shadow, Johanna Hahn, about education and evolutionary thinking. a fantastic intro we just have our intro at any point and then we do it for sure because I did have some really good teachers, lecturers, professors who, you know, where I learned the most was generally when I formed a personal relationship with one of my, um, you know, lecturers because of, of of a deep interest in that area and kind of, you know, poking them for more information and sometimes in, in the best cases in assessment feedback. Like I think I, um, I've told you before about this professor of, of music that I studied with for a few years who like she was really fantastic because she would fail you. She'd give you a fail mark. It was, we were doing all these things like, you know, 15th century counterpoint and, and all of this stuff. And you, you really had to, to work within the rules of the system. You had to understand the system very well. Um, and we were, we were changing from idiom to idiom on a weekly basis. So you had to absorb quite a lot of information and write, you know, we had to write composition exercises every week and they, you know, they were relatively simple and, but you were marked both on creativity, but also adherence to the, the, the form, you know, the adherence to the rules or principles of that particular idiom. And she was really great because she would fail you, um, if you, if your piece was rubbish in one of those ways but she'd always give you a chance to do it again and she had so many so few rather students because most students really didn't enjoy her approach because she was really very strict um, but she had so few students that she could she could and she was she could be and she was very generous with her time with her students so that you know i would spend a lot of time actually in her office which was like you know classic old scholars office with just books just everywhere and like a piano in the corner that she'd have to move a hundred you know scores off and chuck them on the floor while she was playing it and uh and then she had a whole other room just full of instruments from all over the world and and you know from different periods um anyway i spent just hours in her in her um in her office with her she would play my piece she would explain you know where the problems were and then eventually she would she would give it to you again and you'd have to go and write a you know write another piece or fix up that piece and everything as i've also told you before was handwritten in calligraphy in her, in her course so it was all you know the scores were not typeset scores they were all hand done and you would also be marked on the neatness of the score uh and it was wow. brutal it was really brutal and sometimes really crushing when, because you had 
you know, not done well in several in a row, they were all backing up, you know, and now you have three or four assignments on the go and you're in like rounds of revision with her. But at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, I got good marks. At the end of the day, I learned a lot from that process, you know, from her initially yeah. just being, you know, crushingly strict, but, but giving you, you another chance, you know. I mean, not yeah. necessarily, you know, having anything, you know, brutal or whatnot, <laughs> whatnot, but you need to have challenges in order to learn. Like you overcome the challenges and then you get to understand something. You know, if you if you just prepare for the test and then go for, you know, your beers with your mates in the pub, that's mm -hmm. not freaking in the university. Even though people have been doing it since probably 12th century, they didn't have tests there, mm -hmm. but they were doing definitely drinking, you know, with their mates, which is totally a fine thing. But that's not what university is about sure. and it's essence. Mm -hmm. like, well, I, th I think that now what, you know, this ideal that we have and that, as I just said, I was lucky enough to have some of that during my undergraduate um, education as well. But generally, it's now reserved for postgraduate education. Like having yeah, but I mean, man, it's like kindergarten is, you know, approaching. Kindergarten first, you know, was for people yeah. from like whatever, one, two, three, right? Whatever, one, one, two, five. Now, the entire high school and half of the, you know, bachelor study, this is your kindergarten. Like, how is this freaking fine? It's not fine. Why do people in their 20s feel the need to be cautioned and protected against the, you know, evil professors or whatever? Like, if they cannot deal with the nervous tension of the need to pass an exam, they should not be going for the university in the first place. They should go to see some I don't know, meditation practices and mm. strengthen their mindfulness or whatnot. Like, I mean, I was shit scared in the view of my exams. And I remember there were like exams in business, especially in chemistry, when, I, when the professor told me something that I just could not comprehend. And it was not chemistry related. It was just exactly because it was not chemistry related and I was nervous. I couldn't just make the heck out of her. I still don't understand what she said. Like, I, I remember the words, but they don't make sense, you know? But like going through the persevering it, you know, finding your you know, ways to pass all that. This is, you know, this is what teaches you how to, you know, behave, how to interact with all of that. Like what this, you know, whatever academia is about. Yeah, well, absolutely. Because you have to be robust enough to handle criticism. You have to be exactly, able to yeah. take like being it wrong. It only gets worse from there. Exams are nothing in comparison to peer review, you know. Mm. That is just, or, or some, whatever, you know, inter- personal relationships between you know scientists like yeah oh absolutely i mean more than anything like post peer review when you know you've got through all of that and you think that you're right and your ideas are all solid and everything and then you are subject to the real peer review which is when your thing is out there if people are interested in it at all you should be thankful um and then really you know, ideally what you should hope is that people will point out all the ways in which you were wrong, because for yeah. sure there are a bunch of ways in which you were wrong. And that is what you were supposed to learn absolutely through the, through the, you know, educational process. But I do think that is largely restricted to postgraduate education now. And I think that we both know of situations in which even at the postgraduate level, people are not really receiving that kind of training in fact i think that's yeah, very prevalent course, but because <laughs> it's like you know everybody's thinking that somebody else is going to do it and by the point of postgraduate education postgraduate you know mentors whatever they call mm. themselves you know they uh, think that somebody else has done it before them 
so they don't need to do that anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just against the this encroaching of kindergarten of everything. Yeah. I think. I mean, I'm sure there is basically what, I'm, what I think is there, there is a way to make, you know, education for, you know, young people much more accessible and more, you know, easy to understand. But it's not through making it the way they want it to have, because what they want is not what they need. You know, they won't get what they need. They get what they want. And we see it now happening. Well, like, that, that is, I mean, as you referenced <coughs> earlier, that's the capitalist model applied to education. It's the, you know, universities are degree mills now. And exactly, of course, yeah. students are customers and the customer is always right. You know, so but they're not their customers. That's the point. That's, that's what I'm that's saying. Broader, that's what thinking because they're not they're not even paying. They cannot be considered customers because they pay later in their life. They they accumulate these huge debts and then they you know go through pay them through their entire life. So they are not the customers. Their future selves are your other customers. Yeah, I mean that would be a better way of looking at it. I'm saying the way it is looked at. You know, it sure, is fair. looked at in that way. They are treated as the customers, yeah. and yeah. Um, but I mean, another point in here is that how unscientific is scientific education <laughs> is that we don't rely on the data that says, hey, here is the way that, you know, creating an education is the better for the students in the long run. Here is the data graphics all the way. No, it's like, hmm, we thought about this and here's how we're going to do it. You're going to get the lecture. You give them all the tips for the tests and we have the tests and it's where it works. They, you know, it's. Because like, again, it's it's results. There's no science in it. Science does not back any of that. It's but it's results oriented in terms of the results that are easily easily measured, which is actual yeah. exam scores and you know uh, completion rates. And completion rates go down the more challenging the thing is, right? Because people drop out when they're faced with a, you know significant yeah, challenge. How many how many people dropped out in your first year? Of which degree? Of like in biology degree. Yeah, quite a lot. But like half? Yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. I mean, to be fair, I dropped out in my first year of the first time I attempted a science degree. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I went and did a music degree and then I came back and did my science degree. Um, and yeah. I, you know, I, I dropped out because, well, but for a lot of reasons. Um, but I wouldn't say that it was predominantly because I was significantly challenged. You know, I'd already worked as a biologist of a kind, you know, for, for many years, I'd already published a peer reviewed paper by the time I was, you know, in my, I, 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 it just bored me to tears is, is the honest truth of why I dropped out of my first year of, of my biology degree. Uh, and, you know, my priorities were changing in my life at the time. Um, and I wanted to go and study music. Uh, well, I wanted to study literature and music. And so I, you know, I went and did literature for a while and then I, you know, went and, you know, studied music. And then I did, you know, multiple different music programs before I actually completed one. So I have a, you know, I have a pretty checkered undergraduate career. Like it kind of all worked out in the end. Uh, but, you know, I wasn't, a, I certainly was not a model student in the early part of my university career. But I quickly kind of realized that there wasn't anything I wanted to do more than study. You know, I was always studying. I just didn't, I just, I don't like programs. You know, so I didn't want yeah. to do what they told me to do. What was I going to be doing in my spare time? I was going to be reading about something else, you know, or, or studying something else. I mean, that's always what I've done. Um, yeah. No, so, but I mean, I have to say, the programs are just, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not big on any sort of a 
undergraduate program like yeah for the same reason as like you cannot decide what you need to learn before you learn yeah you cannot understand whether you need to know biochemistry or genetics you need to know both before you can choose sure like but that's precisely what i didn't like i didn't want to be told you know i thought i you know i you shouldn't you should yeah but it's not it's not that you should be told what to learn it's more like here is all the biological disciplines in brief and you cannot opt out this yeah. is how it should be yeah. because this is the breadth of the you know knowledge of your choosing so you chose art or you chose biology or you chose physics this is the breadth of all humanity knows on that subject in brief here here you go like lecture one and this, like, you don't opt out for the first yeah. two or three years. You just get this. Mm -hmm. If you don't pass it, I mean, in like you know, eighty percent of that, well, you fail because you know you don't belong here. You go and find yourself somewhere else. Or persevere. That also works. If you persevere, if you change yourself and you persevere perfectly, you now fit in. But you don't get to choose what you study before you understand the totality mm -hmm. of knowledge. You know the scope of it. Yeah, yeah before you have some idea of, of that scope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you first build the structure and then you decide, oh, okay, I actually want this in, this is where I find myself in the system. But mm -hmm. you can't put your finger on the map without a map. You need to see the map. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree, of course. And I do think that this is a very difficult thing logistically. Uh, and certainly the way it's currently set up, it's just not done. But I think mentoring, and again, I've always kind of hated the idea of, of mentors and always found it, you know, icky. But I, ha I have had some good ones, not in science. I've never had a good mentor on the, on the scientific side of things, but I've had good mentors in music, as I've mentioned, multiple. Um, but I think that mentoring is a huge thing. And obviously, you know, you can't have a professor for every 10 students or something like that, you know, and... and you can't when you're an active researcher and all of these sorts of things your time is so precious that it is very difficult to devote it but you need to have some kind of tiered mentoring um system and but then again you then you need people to respect the system right you need people to understand the value of the mentor you need the mentors who are like students only a couple of years ahead or whatever in on, yeah, on average yeah, yeah. you need them to to really have benefited from the mentor from being a mentee uh and therefore value the program and and you know and that's something that's kind of it is you know systemic uh it's cultural like that's the kind yeah. of culture that i think if we had that kind of thing you and i mean that would have been the more the norm in the early you know university model and in the monastic yeah. model right you know you would have had the young you know, the very young pupils who were taught by the acolytes, who were taught by junior, you know, like there would have been a hierarchy where e each teacher would not have been spread too thinly, basically. If you've got a lecturer who is lecturing to 200 students, and, you know, of course they do have tutorials and stuff, but there doesn't seem to be a good mentoring relationship set up. There are those programs. I mean, they certainly exist at my university. Uh, and again, you know, I, I like the idea, but I've never, I mean, I like it in abstract, but I've never particularly wanted a mentor or responded well to attempts to mentor me. Uh, but yeah, I don't think I would have responded. I don't think, yeah, I don't think I ever had a good mentor in within academia. I don't think that ever happened. But the as in like the mentor that i would be like yeah this is the mentor you know yeah uh, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I think we, within the science, this is how it should function. At least this is how it should function in experimental science in the lab, at least, right? But even, even there, we see that it's not the case. But you obviously need the hierarchical structure to get better because that allows you to see the progression where you are aiming to be, like you're aiming to be the next step, right? Or the step above, whatever. You're yeah. going there and you can see a person at that step and them also going somewhere. Yeah. Like it creates a good understanding of progression of their limitation, therefore your limitation and so on. So that is definitely, you know, that would be definitely a good thing for, for academic scientific education yeah. to have. And probably even like, you know, like if you're doing the fine arts, that should also be the case mm. because there is also craft, you know, also goes that yeah. way. Like it also scales. Yeah. So, I mean, at all, uh, at all times, uh, you know, we have what we have. We have when, when youngsters, yeah. you know, those damn young guns, you know, they decide how things work. I mean, then at, at all in that kind of model, well, and then they become disillusioned with all that thing and they would say, oh, my degree didn't teach me anything. It was a freaking useless piece of shit. Even though you yourself chose it, you motherfucker. You chose all of your fucking things. And then, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in, in that kind of hierarchical system, you always have a model. I mean, it's just what you were saying, that you always have a model that you can emulate that's achievable. You know, there isn't this ridiculous yeah. gulf between you. So you actually yeah, well, well, learn how to behave yourself on yeah like yeah. you don't have to model it in yourself you can see that how they fail and you learn yeah, from their oh, failure sure. that's all part of the the, the modeling process yeah. yeah uh no absolutely um something but it's still like you know what what is what is really funny though is that the how there is total lack of science in how at least scientific education is structured it's just like you know people just happen to decide this is what's you know those things how like the difference between cultures first of all is very apparent how in different country and in different culture of uh, the you know science would be differently you know like you would be prepared differently for the university but also then the university itself functions differently and expects different mm. things from you but we all are studying the same science it's the same science science is the same <laughs> so ergo you know the way you study it should also be somewhat the same there should be it's not like there is a best way to give it mm. to any individual but there is definitely the best way to give it to a group within a certain present uh, situation like this much of information as far as we understand it now here is the best i mean in principle here is the best way how it should be given to a group of random people right but in essence, you know, to be scientific, you need it to be heterodox. You need there to be a number of different ways that things are being delivered. And then you need those to be competing critically with each other in terms of the, yeah, we, in terms of the, the results. This is exactly what we have now. We have different, you know, national universities. Like we have whatever, Hokkaido University, Moscow University, you know, whatever, but, Columbia University. The feedback system is not up to task, though. Exactly. That's the point, yeah. yeah. So you do need that. You don't want everyone teaching the same way everywhere. You want people teaching differently, but then you want those to be compared empirically, and then yeah. you know better versions will come out of that. You don't want to trend towards some kind of stasis, though, where everybody's taught in the same way, because that yeah. is that ultimately will become kind of anti-scientific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. anti you want the feedback. You want it to be mm. re, you know, retailered. But then there is like one of the interesting thoughts in respect to that is that. You know, why is it the case that I see more 
uh, Indian, Chinese, and Russian in the non-U.S. universities than I see American people in those U.S. universities. The answer that they would give me is would be, oh, because American universities are good on its own and we don't have to go anywhere else. But I'm like, is that really the case? Maybe it's like you are just tailored to that system and you are not tailored to any other system and you just cannot hack it. Like the only system that you can work with is your own system. Everybody else though, seem to be working fine both within your system and outside of your system. So maybe there is something well, going I mean, on. Two things, prestige is definitely a factor, right? So having a Harvard degree or an Oxford degree yeah, or whatever, yeah. that's a factor. The other thing is that, or an interesting thing is that those international students, particularly coming out of Asia, are often the you know amongst the top achievers at those you know western prestigious western universities because they have a, a work ethic uh you know and traveling across the world to go and study you know it's an expensive thing yeah. to do and, and all of this like it's it's a serious commitment you're away from your family all of this kind of stuff whereas you know spoiled western kids of which i'm obviously one um you know won't necessarily appreciate the opportunity of going to to one of the top universities in their neighborhood or you know whatever not having to travel very far not having to make really large you know social and and maybe financial sacrifices in order to do it on the other hand i do think that education there's i have i'm in two minds about whether education should actually cost anything in the first place right like there is you know, the financial sacrifice being made does teach you the value of the thing. So if your parents uh, have really been scraping together this money all your life and, and all of that, then they're probably going to impress upon you the importance of you working hard. But at the same time, I think that, you know, education should be free to all in a certain sense. So yeah, are... <laughs> um, as a person to whom education was free from day one yeah. to like, you know, end of PhD, I didn't pay a cent for mm. my PhD or any, you know... Yeah, but... well, I didn't pay for my PhD, obviously, but that's because I was on a scholarship. Yeah, yeah but no, neither did I pay for my undergrad. Yeah, yeah. I'm on thinking that it has to be free for anybody, but then you need to then have a good way of weeding out people who are just using your resources and they're not doing anything. Mm. Like, the, I mean, that's, I, I guess, why I asked you, you know, how many people were like dropped out of the first year because now i mean i don't remember but i would, would assume at least like half of yeah. people dropped out because they did not pass the exams they just yeah. could not go yeah. like i think it was like you, you have five exams and if you don't pass three of them or two of them you basically you're out mm. without any mm. way of reinstating yourself yeah like you, you can appeal i think you can appeal twice but other than that you just basically you're out and that's fair enough because I mean, some decided that it's not for them. Some just it's clearly not for them, and some people are better elsewhere. Like that's just the reality. Yeah. yeah, I don't think an opportunity to sit it a second time is a bad thing. You know, like if you know that can impress upon people the the importance of studying, and then you know you can get better learning outcomes that way. And at the end of the day, if that's the that's the goal is to actually teach people, then giving them a second chance is worthwhile. But of course, you can't yeah, give them okay. infinite infinite chances. Um, so if it's second and last chance or something, just to resit the exam, because you know you can have yeah, an off day, all true, sorts yeah. of things can happen. Um, yeah, but what, what, what I mean, there are, the things that I like actually about the uh, the, the Russian system uh, is that so you all exams are oral, as far as I mean, mm -hmm. maybe now I think, but when I was studying, they were all oral. So 
if there is a way for a professor to know whether you really know or whether you don't know anything because they can go off road off the topic sure. and then they can like you know off your topic of your question and then mm -hmm. if you fail you fail but then if you get if you fail that exam then the next one would be like with some professors present so it's not just this guy it will be several of them and then if you fail that there is a commission hearing mm -hmm. where you will have like you know 10 of them a panel and you will be there and so they are there to check if the professor is actually the, sure. the problem not you the problem and that's that's fair yeah no i really like that as fair as you can get to be fair within this and again that's just a more a more old-fashioned way that it used to be done everywhere it's a more traditional way of having those sort of oral defenses uh yeah, but tests are just time savers. They're just to save yeah. time of the professor, Especially and then they're the just like, yeah, and then they're just, they're just easy, easy to check, easy yeah. to pass, and we can all sleep well, and then we can all pretend that we're learning something, but we're not learning anything. We're just learning how to pass tests, a totally useless skill. Except again, the people who are going to be learning anyway. You know, the people who are just genuinely committed, of of which there are, you know, clearly many. Sure. Um, I would you wouldn't you know want to make any kind of guesstimation at the the percentages, but there are always going to be a, a a good chunk of any cohort that actually really wants to be there. Yeah, of course. But what what is you know kind of a peculiar is that we're in the twenty first century and we have lectures on quantum mechanics and we for you know whoever anybody who wants to attend them, mm -hmm. but nobody you know with within the school will learn like deep things about universe. I mean, you know, we're obviously cherry picking, but we. You know, get to learn in school some very deep insights from the entirety of human history. But we don't get to learn the most important insight. How the fuck that you know we just get like you know to interact with all of this? Like, how do we put this info together? How do we? Why are we doing it? Like, we're never being you know taught why is it good to learn? No, it's just like it's good to know things. You know, it's good to learn. Well done. You know, you got an A. Like, but why does an A matter? Why like? There is nobody who actually gives you the philosophy of your learning, the philosophy of your studying, like mm -hmm. explains to you. And the best explanation that you can get is that, oh, that will give you a good job. Sleek. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, it's part and parcel of the, of the you know, siloing of university departments and all of these things where knowledge has become this, you know, set of disjunct domains and, and basically philosophy in the, in the traditional sense. Um, has really been has really been marginalized. I mean, in the traditional well, and in the contemporary that, sense. That philosophy is very down to earth. It's very kind of you know, background. Like there were, I mean, a few people outside of you know the curriculum for me that would give me parts of that, mm -hmm. right? And you would encounter in a lot of books the kind of a sort of this very, I mean, it's like intentionally simplified way of looking at things that actually just removes this you know clutter like informational clutter from thinking that actually shows you like that there are like actual things that you actually interact with that you know if you study to pass the exam then as long as you understand it it's perfectly fine as long as that's your goal but if you're thinking that you are doing something else other than trying to pass an exam then you are misleading yourself. You're not, you know, fully using your your own time and the, you know, like, it, like your ability. Just everything is mismatched in case if you don't understand the goal and how you apply to that goal. Like if you're trying to pass an exam to get a degree, 
all good because you understand what you're trying to do, you know? But if you're thinking, you're deluding yourself, oh, I'm actually, you know, studying biology, huh? But what you're actually doing is trying to get a degree that's, you are at odds with yourself. You will fail in life necessarily because you are not, you know, going where you think you're going. So you will stumble into, sure. you know, yeah. like as soon as you can stumble, you will. Goals and behavior are misaligned, which is yeah. very Yeah, but common. those things have to be you know, explained to, to yeah. people, like, because they just don't, they take all of this for granted, you know, they're like, this is a good job, but what is a good job? Is a good job the one that gives you money? Is a good job the one that gives you prestige? Is the good job that is, you know, X, Y, and Z? For every person, it could be a different answer. Like, but there are so many things that just, like, tokenistic answers, and they're taken by people, and then they're like, yes, that's how life works. Yeah, because there are no sort of school of life classes, exactly. And in, in you know, exactly. there are so we've moved interestingly at least in education as a, you know as we discussed things have become very siloed and disjunct whereas certainly in the past you would have had more you know domain level sort of understanding at least attempted to be um, conferred upon you but we also really if you look at the the, the 19th and 20th century uh, the sort of theoretical advances. We do have all of these fields that have emerged, you know, semiotics, systems science, you know, systems biology, systems science, dynamic systems, etc., that are really kind of, you know, synthetic or, you know, to use the religious term, syncretic fields that really do bring, you know, they, they are creating a contemporary domain level understanding. And it's very interesting that those sorts of things haven't filtered down into the curriculum even in you know watered down ways i mean there should be a subject every semester that is here's how all the other stuff that you are doing this semester fits together and here are the different here's a brief introduction to the different you know kinds of big synthetic theories not that we're necessarily advocating any of them as a, as a grand unified theory but the ways different thinkers have tried to connect all of human knowledge um but with specific reference to the four or five other subjects that you're doing this semester that could even just be like a tutorial stream you know where you have a postgraduate student supervising the undergrad students and with with you know again very particular knowledge of this cohort of students is doing x y and z subject and here are ways that those subjects fit together um you know fill in fill in the gaps a little bit because to be real you know to to be thinkers contributing down the track they're going to need to have at least some idea of how things fit together yeah like we know that you know the most i mean not the most but a lot of advances they come from you know synthesizing the field of knowledge but in our education you're a geneticist you're an evolutionary biologist you're whatever you know, it's like, yeah, so we like synthesizing things, but we don't synthesize things. Mm. Well, I mean, this is a very, this brings us to, you know, our first very general...